This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. I could have made the title the happiest church in the entire world, but that was long. So I just called it the happiest church, a vision for the church at Ellerslie that should make everyone smile. Now, I have to be watchful with the word happy, okay? Happy is a very shallow word. Ironically, a word that is often used in the Bible, but a word that for us just sort of falls into a self-centered gratification uh, classification. So let me... uh, let me give at least a, a brief understanding as we enter into this. There are two kinds of happiness. There is a small age uh, happiness, which is a short-term happiness. And all of us have felt this at some degree, some level. Your team wins a game, and you're happy about it. Someone says a nice compliment or an encouraging word to you, and it brings happiness. Okay? You get served Canadian bacon and pineapple pizza, and you're happy. Okay, uh, for me, that's one of mine. By the way, some of you are like, I'm not happy. Uh, uh, a chocolate shake um, with a little peanut butter mixed in. Eric Ludy's happy. Okay, now those are things that bring a temporal happiness, small h, okay? Every single one of us is humans. You don't even need to be a Christian to have that form of happiness. However, there is a residing happiness, a happiness that no matter what happens in your life, doesn't alter it. It's, it's part of the core of who you are. And no matter what circumstances, if they're high or if they're low, there is a constancy, a buoying grace, as we oftentimes use the term uh, here in our Ellerslie training, of a Cheerio in milk, where you put your finger on it, you go, I'm going to push you down, oh Cheerio. And you push it down, and what does it do? Bloop. <sighs> push it down. Bloop. Ah! Push it down. Bloop. And that's us. Capital H, happy. You see, it is a solace of soul. It is a contentment in the deepest part of who we are. We are satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ. We are not fearful of anything that could possibly happen to us. We are immovable. We are held in the hollow of God Almighty's hand. Hey, why should I fear anything in this world? And it is a solace. It is a peace. It is a joy. All summarized in a word known as capital H, happy. I know. The word doesn't quite translate perfectly to our American sensibilities. However, every one of us desires it. So even though you may not have a full grasp of what it means, you want the capital H version. It's like, tell me more about that. You see, I would say if there was an Olympic event for happiness that I would enter. I mean, I have been training for that event. It just never materializes. No one ever seems to, you know, make it an event. And I honestly believe that I am possibly the happiest person on earth. It's just a hunch that I have. 
And I don't mind you getting upset at that and saying, there's no way that you're more happy than me. That's actually what I want. That's why I say it that way. Marcia Mullet has been arguing with me for multiple years now about the fact that she's happier than me and that I better watch my back because she's going to get the gold. You know, and that, I like it. Okay, that's what I want. And I want you fighting me for it too. Eric can't just stand up there and say that. I'm going to be happier than him. You see, there was a, I remember, it was like an article of some kind. I don't know, it was Time Magazine. It had a Buddhist. It said that this guy was the happiest man in the world. He was a Buddhist. That made me mad. It should make you guys mad too. There is no way that a Buddhist is going to be happier than me. And yet I would say, this, this is a sad statement, but I would say that it's very likely that that guy is happier than many of us. Not because he should be, but because we are not functioning in the fullness of what we are called to function in. You see, when we stand up for Jesus, we have all hell break loose in our life. doesn't happen to the Buddhist guy. We have a lot of antagonism that comes against us. You see, everyone else just lives life, and that's challenging. Life has its, its difficulties. We as Christians have those difficulties plus all hell to tend with. In other words, we have an uphill battle. And yet, we've been given all the weaponry, everything required to truly bust through it into the realms of untouchable joy where it cannot be quenched in our life. See? Capital H, happy. The happiest church if God who sits in heavens can laugh, his children on earth should be loyal enough to do exactly as their father does. Harper's impossible prayer. So all of the kids have an impossible prayer. And I've gone through those in the past. Some of you know the impossible prayers. I think Hudson's was that every public school in our country would uh, teach creationism. Now, I don't know if he'd have the same one. That was from multiple years ago. But I was like, well, you know, that's, that sure is impossible. Uh, or they wouldn't teach evolution and they would teach creationism. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, and how most of you would say, yep, that's impossible. So that's, that's the way I wanted my kids to pick prayers that are impossible, not easy ones, okay? Abby, what was yours? That every person in the world would know Jesus? Was that what it was? I was like, okay, well, yeah, there we go. That's, that's, that's impossible. That falls into the classification. Keep praying. Uh, Harper's uh, was this. Jesus make the Ludi family the happiest family in the whole world. That was two years ago. Harper Ludy. It's sort of fun having a big quote up there, isn't it? Uh, so she made this picture. Uh, the happiest family in the world. It is called the Ludies. And then she colored it. I, for whatever reason, in my Evernote, didn't save the colored version. Because the colored version was made, and then she made all sorts of copies of it. And then it was pasted all over the house. You'd walk in the door. It's like, oh, that's right. We're going to be the happiest family. It's a great idea. By the way, I think every kid should make their own version of this and stick it all over the house, okay? I mean, it's a great reminder. Uh, and so that's a very precious uh, memory for us. This is still her impossible prayer, that we would be the happiest family in the whole world. We were talking with the kids this weekend about uh, cleanliness, that, you know, our family, we have six kids. Come on, guys. Uh, you're either making a mess or you're helping clean it up. Right now, I think we're erring on the side of making more mess than we are cleaning up. And so Dub had the brilliant idea of saying, I know another prayer we can pray, another impossible prayer, that we'd be the cleanest family in the whole world. I go, your mother would be much appreciative of that. The happy God. Now, some of you, when you think of God, even when you think of his face, you might think of a scowl. 
And because he's very serious. I mean, he hates sin. He's a God who will bring wrath and judgment into all that is uh, dark and all that is against his nature. And yet, by very definition, God is a happy God. Uh, according to the glorious gospel of the happy God, which was committed to my trust. Now, in Timothy, that's the word makarios in the Greek, which is typically translated as blessed. But it really means, at its depths, extremely, supremely happy. And so, why they chose the word blessed? Because, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, it, just, I mean, it doesn't sound as good as according to the glorious gospel of the happy God. Isn't that fun? Thinking of God being supremely happy. Capital H. You see, that's where we get our happiness from anyways, is we find ourselves in him. We find ourselves secured in him. We find ourselves satisfied in him. And that's where the glow of soul, the radiance of our lives is supposed to flow from. So an interjection, it's a part of speech. It's a word solely designed to convey emotion. So in the Old Testament, uh, well, I'm going to show you what an interjection is here first. Uh, it's usually followed by an exclamation mark in the English language. Did you see that baby? And then insert interjection here. Ah. Okay, so it's a word that is designed solely to convey emotion. Okay, sort of, ah, that's so cute. But you don't need to say, oh, that's so cute. You just go, ah. See, like whenever, and I've noticed it, because I used to speak on romance and relationships, and there were certain moments where I'd say something, like, and I wrote letters for Leslie, love letters before we met, and then on her... And on our honeymoon, I got them out. And then all the, I, you hear it. I mean, just listen. It's like, oh. That's an interjection, okay? Put an exclamation mark next to it. That's a whole bunch of girls conveying through a word. It is a word. It's oh, but they're saying something, right? They're conveying something. It's like, oh, that's so sweet, Eric. Oh, you, you, you're so precious. And that's why I'd bring it up. It's like, hey, girls, did you hear that? Oh, there we go. There we go. There's the O. Did you hear the great news? And then we interject the, uh, we insert the interjection here. Wow! Okay, that's an interjection. That's a response. That's a word designed to convey something. Emotion. Did you hear the bad news? Insert interjection here. Oh, dear. That's an interjection, okay? So in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there's an interjection. I know it sounds strange, but they have, a, they have an interjection too. Esher. And so it basically means happy. There's an, there it is. Oh, happy. How happy. So in other words, when someone says something, you can respond that way. Asher, how happy. Happy, how happy. Oh, happy man. That would like be the translation. It's sort of strange, I know, because that's not, you can even see the Hebrew trying to get into the English going, how do we, how do we convey this? Typically, it's, it will say it, but you know, you'll, you'll see. I'll show you quite a bit of it. So here's how it works. Like Psalm 33, 12. God is their Lord. Happy. They trust their God. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like the, uh, the southern mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy. They walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy man. God corrects them. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy man. The Lord is the shield of their help and the sword of their majesty. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy Israel. So our church's bucket list. Back in the very beginning when we were forming our local church, I gave 11 things that I desired for our church. And so I'm going to read those right now. This is our bucket list. In other words, as a church, you know, some people, uh, you know, they want to, you know, climb the top of Everest. They want to... 
you know, go through, a, you know, visit an underground ocean cave in some scuba suit. You know, they have a bucket list. Well, our church needs to adopt a bucket list. And I feel like if we could check off each one of these things, we will truly be the happiest church in the world. So here's our bucket list. To be a church that is always uncomfortable. Do you need me to emphasize the word always? I should have made that all caps. You see, that doesn't sound like something that's going to make for a happy church, does it? And yet, I know the secret in my life to being sharp spiritually and being happy spiritually, it is not me finally arriving and being able to go into coast or park for a season and just be able to bask in the fact that I've accomplished some great thing, but it's that I remain uncomfortable. God has moved me from discomfort to discomfort to discomfort. In fact, it's discomfort with a size 11 font for the D, a discomfort with a size 22 font for the D, a discomfort with a size 122 font for the D, and the D keeps getting bigger. It's greater discomfort and yet greater happiness. Figure that one out. That's what we're going to talk about. Be a church that is always wanting more of Jesus Christ. In other words, if there's one thing, you touch any of us at any moment and say, what do you desire? Uh, whoa, I wasn't prepared for this, but okay, here's my answer. I want more of Jesus Christ. When you test any of us in any moment of our life, no matter what's going on, test us, push on me. I want more of Jesus Christ. That's what I crave more than anything. I want to know him. I want to be found in him. I want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want Jesus. That's what I want us to bleed. Be a church that rejoices in all things. Emphasize the word all. There is no exception. No matter what comes our way, we rejoice. No matter what it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter how difficult it is, we rejoice. All of us do. Be a church that forgets how to fear and only knows how to trust. Could you imagine? Some of you are so used to fear and anxiety that the thought of forgetting how to fear, I mean, it just seems like, uh, well, uh, that's what I desire. I want you to so be rewired, so be renewed in your thinking and your mindsets that fear is no longer your default. No longer you just go straight to what you've always gone through, but you actually turn immediately to faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, he's, he's faithful. Why would you fear if God's faithful? Why would you fear if he's promised to care for you? You see, when you believe the word, no longer do you turn in this direction, you turn towards his word and you fix yourself. I want to have a church and I want us to be that church that forgets how to fear, but now knows how to trust. To be a church packed full of new believers. You see, don't get me wrong, I'm not against any of you having been Christians for years. It's not like I want you to start over. However, I would love to have a church that's just full, brimming full of new believers. Well, how would that happen? Well, we have to be going out and sharing the gospel. You see, that would be a symbol of something very precious in our midst. If you look around, it's like, how long have you been a Christian? Uh, one day. How long have you been a Christian? Two weeks. How long have you been a Christian? One month. That's a sign of something healthy in our midst. Right now, I would say we need to go after that on our bucket list. It's been on our bucket list for a long time as a church. However, one thing I can say is it's easier said than done. When our church two years ago went after the souls of those in northern Colorado aggressively, we were received with great resistance on the enemy's part. In other words, the enemy did whatever he could to put a damper pedal on what we were doing and to discourage us. Well, get used to that in your Christian life. Push back. 
Keep going. Persevere. Let's not stop just because it was difficult first rung. Let's go after this. To be a church where 30% of the congregation would be turned full-time missionaries. I remember the way I, where I got this statistic, 30%. I mean, where does Eric get that? It just comes from a statement that was in, I, I think it was in Lords of the Earth or Peace Child. I don't remember which one. It was a Don Richardson book. And he was talking about his college, uh, his, his missionary training school. Do you remember what that's called, Sandy? Prairie Bible Institute up in Canada. And every time that any missionary speaker would get there, they would bring in missionaries from all over the world that would come and, and speak to the students. It was said that that missionary had the best recruiting soil out of anyone in the world because out of Prairie Bible Institute, at least 30%, 30 out of every 100 students that were in that crowd at that given moment were going to become full-time missionaries somewhere in the world. And so as... That, that, to me, was a great statement. First of all, I, I just love the description of Prairie Bible Institute. It, it was a lot like Ellerslie, but they did certain things better than what we've done. And so, I mean, I was greatly inspired by it. But imagine this. Imagine that if anyone got up here, they were from Papua New Guinea, and they got up here and said, here's the current dilemma we're facing in Papua New Guinea, knowing that 30% of you were literally being groomed by the Spirit of God to go at any moment that even though we're at different gradients or levels of readiness, that always, there is always a portion of this body that is being groomed to go. And I mean full-time. I don't just mean part-time. I mean full-time engagement in the battle of the ages. To be a church in which 100% of the believers inside it are involved in active discipleship, starting with me, all the way down to the new believer. We are all being discipled. There is never a point when you graduate from discipleship. Wherever that notion came from, let's spit it out of our, our belly right now. It doesn't fit. We are being discipled. If we're not being discipled, we are digressing. We need to be groomed. We need to be sharpened. We need to be pruned. We need to be refined. Always. It's called sanctification. And so the essence of what discipleship is, is the word, biblical word for sanctification. It is a constant improvement of the soul, a constant sharpening of our spiritual senses, a constant attuning to the word of God and a greater degree of understanding in it. To be a church that prays together often and always, fervently and with persistence. We are a church that prays. Okay, I'm not going to dismiss that. However, we're a church that prays mm, not as well as we could. Okay, and no one would argue that. I can guarantee you no one's going to go, hey! And stand up and go, I just you know, take offense at that. Every single one of us knows it. We know that prayer changes the course of history. And we know that corporate prayer, coming together and joining together in prayer, is actually one of the greatest impetus points in all the world. The very thing that God has assigned us to do. However, doing it is a hard thing to organize. We used to have a group that would pray every Sunday morning over at Coffee 29. And I tell you what, if you were just to you know, start taking, uh, you know, discuss with that group what they went through just to try and hold the fort down, it was hard. It's supposed to be a corporate thing. So then we've done corporate prayer, you know, and we've had times where the whole church has shown up. So it's not that I don't want to dismiss that we've done it well in times past. However, it is hard to organize things around prayer. You see, prayer is labor and it's not easy labor. It, is, it breaks a spiritual sweat that is hard. There's certain, every, every one of us that has ever dealt with athletics knows that there's certain 
muscles in our body that we like exercising and certain muscles that are, we don't. Like for me, squats are uncomfortable. And, I, and then there's other guys that are just like, oh yeah, squats, finally. I, I like upper body things, shoulders, you know, biceps, uh, chest. I like that. Other, other people are like, oh, that's miserable. How do you like that? I don't know. Prayer is one of those muscles in the spiritual man that for every one of us, some people seem to be attracted to it more than others. Like, oh, this is fun. Oh, this is great. But a lot of us really struggle. It's hard to exercise it. I don't care if I don't enjoy exercising my legs. I still need to. Be a church that gives of their time, their talents, their resources, and their lives. Be a church in which everyone is an evangelist and every believer is actively leading people to Christ. Every believer is an evangelist. There, though we might have certain leaders in our, in our midst that are, are really specialized in evangelism, every single one of us is ready to give the truth of Jesus Christ wherever we're at. Be a church that becomes known as the happiest church in the world. That was in our original bucket list, and I'm just starting right there. So that list has been ours as a body since we started. So I'm just reminding us. So I'm going to go through, and I'm going to give you the happy argument is what I'm going to call it. That if we go after these things, we will truly find capital H happy. In other words, that which all of us long for. We desire that form of living that is buoyant and not just depressed. For those of you that are always under that thumb of oppression, you know that God is good. You know that he's victorious at the cross. Why don't you feel it? Oh, the weights in your life are so heavy. I'm just going to tell you, this is the happy argument. Okay, my weights are very heavy in life. When I was 28, I was in the hospital with a stress disorder. The weights on my life were so excruciating. I was so, I had been harmed by the body of Christ at such an extreme level by the age of 28. I was in full-time mission, ministry, traveling the world, and I saw the backside of this thing, and it wasn't pretty. For any of you that struggle with being in a church building, I'm right there with you. It's really funny being a pastor because churches are really hard for me. I'm in them all the time, don't get me wrong, but there's like emotion that comes with this. And it's hard to just ignore it sometimes. It's real. And so what I'm going to tell you is no matter what you've gone through up to this point, if you're sick and tired of being under the thumb of this attack, this spiritual garbage that comes against us as Christians, well, there's promises in the Word of God. There's weapons in the Word of God that we can wield as the church to begin to rise above this storm cloud. It's the storm cloud's black, don't get me wrong but to rise above it into the clear blue sky above it. Storm's still happening. You still have the accusations against you. still have the financial challenges. I'm not saying you avoid those. To find capital H happiness, you need to know how to break through that storm into the blue sky above it and look down on it with a heavenly mindset. To look at it the way Christ looks at it and say, what do you see? Well, I see that I'm in complete control. Well, then I'm perfectly content and capital H happy. You see, there is actually no reason for us to be down in the dumps as Christians. There is no excuse for us not to be the happiest church in the world. The more we know the word of God, the no, more we know Jesus Christ, the more we understand his work on the cross, the more happy we should become. A plus B equals C, which is the happiest church in the world. So I'm going to go through our bucket list, and I'm just going to give you some happy scriptures. Sounds like Pollyanna, doesn't it? Be a church that is always uncomfortable. How could that be happy? If I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to be miserable. You don't understand Christianity, do you? You see, Christianity is built on the fact that God leverages difficulty in our life and converts it into grace. Triumph, joy, 
rejoicing. All of it, as the classic illustration goes, someone dumps their manure on your land and you can choose to do one of two things with it. Pout about it, complain about it, mumble and groan about it, pick up a wad of it and throw it back at them. Let it harden into you know, some petrified pile and you moan and groan and walk around. You see, there's all sorts of options. Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, all sorts of things that the world does. You are a Christian. You take out your rototiller, go, thank you, and then till it in. That makes for great fertilizer, and that's the principle of the kingdom of heaven. When a weight is stuck on your chest, you could groan and moan, and, but as an athlete, you push, you resist, and you grow muscle at the same time. There is no weight that comes against you. There is no difficulty that actually should not be translated and converted into a greater strength. And as a result, when we are uncomfortable, we are stronger. We are sharper. We are fit. When we get comfortable, we get lazy. We get satisfied with earthly pleasure. Dust suddenly satisfies us instead of only the heavenly meal. So behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Well, I mean, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's correcting the guy? Well, that doesn't sound good. Happy is that guy. You need to know the happy scriptures. You see, God corrects a man and his children, and happy is that man. If you want capital H happy, you need to learn the correction of the Lord. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Happy is that man that endures trials. Oh, trials. Oh, that sounds terrible. No, no. Happy is that man that endures trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Indeed, we count them happy who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. All right, the second one on our bucket list. Be a church that is always wanting more of Jesus Christ. Happy are those who dwell in your house. What's your position? Happy are those who dwell in Jesus Christ. They will still be praising you. Say, law, ponder that. We are the happiest because we live in the house of the Lord. We are literally in the risen house, Jesus Christ. Happy are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Isn't that amazing? I didn't put that exclamation mark in there. It is literally a statement Happy are those who keep his testimonies. He is the word of God. He is truly the promise. Keep it. Keep the word of God. And happy will you be. Happy is the man who listens to me. It's wisdom talking in Proverbs 8. Watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. Jesus is the wisdom of God. So happy is the man who listens to him. To the word of God. To that wisdom. Happy is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Number three, be a church that rejoices in all things. Happy are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. You see, there should be a joyful sound. I don't know how many of you are hearing the joyful sound in your life. You're hearing a lot of groans and moans and complaints and miseries. That's not the joyful sound, okay? There's a joyful sound that says, God, thank you. God, bless your name. God, you are good. That's, there's joyful sounds, and they shoot upwards. See, the dark sounds go down, and they, they push you down, and they knock you down. But the joyful sounds, happy are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O oh Lord, in the light of your countenance. 
Happy are you when they revile and persecute you. I don't know how many are happy in a moment like that and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. What? Rejoice, says Jesus, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That manure is expensive, and it's great fertilizer. You're going to have some good-looking crop that's going to come out of this. Hey, get excited about that. If you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Number four, be a church that forgets how to fear and only knows how to trust. Boy, the Bible is heavy weighted with scriptures on this exact point. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy is the man who trusts in him. So we have an option. In every situation in life, you have the bait of the devil here. You have a challenge in your life and you have the promise of the word of God. And so when that difficulty comes, when that oppression comes, when that weight comes against you, when that false accusation comes against you, when the low bank account surfaces, the devil says, hey, give way to panic, give way to fear, give way to anxiety. God says, hey, keep your focus over here. What do I tell you? You tell me that you're my provider, that you'll care for me, that you'll ever watch over me, that you'll never leave me nor forsake me, that I need not fear. All right, that's what I'm gonna do then. You see, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy is the man who trusts in him. You want capital H happiness? Focus on Jesus Christ and trust in him. Happy is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as, nor such as turn aside to lies. Oh, Lord of hosts, happy is the man who trusts in you. He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Capital H, happy. We want to be a church packed full of new believers. Now, I had some unique things in my bucket list that made it challenging for me to get a direct fit. So some of these things you'll have to laugh along with me. But behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. You're like, what does that have to do with a church packed full of new believers? Hey, it's a principle, guys. You see, new believers, that which you bring about in and through the sharing of your faith, when you see someone actually brought into the kingdom, that's like a child. It is. So behold, those sort of children, those new believers are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Listen to this. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. So how's your quiver doing with new believers? Uh-huh. You see, some of you are all pressed to get a whole bunch of kids in your earthly quiver. And I'm telling you, how about your heavenly quiver? That's actually a key point, too. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are happy after him. In other words, he's happy, capital H, and what happens? His, then he has children that are happy after him. Be a church where 30% of the congregation would be termed full-time missionaries. I don't know that there's the term 30% in the Bible, so it was a tough one uh, to, to give, but this is, this is still good. He who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. In other words, when someone is missions-minded, when they're turned outward, and they actually have a compassion on the lost world around them, happy, are they capital H? Happy are you who sow beside all waters. Everywhere you go, there's, there's an opportunity to take that seed that you've been given and to sow it. Sow the seed of the gospel, and happy are you when you do. To be a church in which 100% of the believers inside it are involved in active discipleship. 
Happy is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law. When you're being instructed by the Lord, you're happy. Happy are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So when you walk in purity, when you walk being disciple, what discipleship does is it keeps you sensitive in your soul to conviction. And it's like, how are you doing there? Uh, yeah, I need, to, I need to make that right, don't I? Mm. You see, when you're walking in an undefiled way, you're happy. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Well, you have to be digging for those things. That's like gold. And discipleship is the process of going after it. You're being discipled by the Spirit of God, not just a mere man. You're being discipled to actually go after it. Hey, dig there, dig there. And you start digging. What do you find? You find wisdom and you find understanding. What, what does that do to you? It makes you, capital H, happy. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for happy are those who keep my ways. Number eight, be a church that prays together often and always, fervently and with persistence. Happy is the man who is always reverent. I like this one. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you for the Lord is a God of justice. Happy are all those who wait for him. See, prayer is a posture. It is an attitude. It is not just words. It is an attitude. That's why we pray without ceasing. It is this concept of saying, God, you have promised and I'm holding you to it. And that is also termed waiting on the Lord. You see, when you wait on the Lord, you are saying, God, you will come through. I know it, and I'm holding to this position until it happens. Well, happy are all those who wait for him. How about being a church that gives of their time, their talents, their resources, and their lives? Happy is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. Happy are those who keep justice, and he, does, and he who does righteousness at all times. You see, when you do that which God would do in this earth, which is what righteousness is, it's what God would do. When you do what God would do, then, well, happy are you. To be a church in which everyone is an evangelist and every believer is actively leading people to Christ. I know I used this scripture earlier, but hey, it just happens to fit. It's about having children and it's about being very happy because of it. So I need to use it. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. By the way, I'm not trying to diminish the fact that this is talking about real physical children, too, that come out of a physical womb. I don't want to diminish that and make it all just super spiritual. I'm just saying, hey, it fits. It's a principle. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And finally, number 11, be a church that becomes known as the happiest church in the world. I don't know about you, but I tell you what, I get excited about a list like this. I get excited about having a vision. You see, it's very easy to come to church and just go through the motions of church. I actually am not a fan of that whatsoever. I would rather throw out the whole thing that we've done so far and start afresh and gather in an open room without any chairs and just shock everyone just to sort of, what are we doing here? Just to say, hey, guys, we're the church. Okay, we don't just have to have announcements, worship, and preaching to be the church. That's like a tradition, and there's nothing wrong with it because it gives us opportunity to do what the church does. However, there is something more that we need, and we need to go after, and I, for one, am ready to do it. As an individual Christian, I know how to go after things, and I know how to not say, uh, and I know how to say yes to Jesus and say no to the devil. I know how to fight this battle. 
I have weapons and I know how to wield them. As a corporate body, I'm learning. How do I, when I swing, yeah, I can swing on your behalf, but I need you to swing. Because I can swing all day long, but if you're not swinging, it gets very difficult. You see, when we learn to take these truths and apply them as a body, this becomes a fact. As far as I'm concerned, I think we should start. Maybe I should do this. Have some kind of church Olympics where we like take on a church across town. And we're like, the the competition is happiness. And we have all, I don't know how it would work, but so we have all sorts of trials we're all tested with. And then it's like, how do we respond? Yeah, I don't know how to make that happen either. So that's the problem with spiritual realities. You can't just do an Olympic event for it. The devil seems pretty uh, able to bring about all the challenges we need. I don't think we need to add any more to it. Listen to this. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You see, in Psalm 144, uh, it is going through a description of those that rest in the protection of God Almighty. When, that, when their nation is blessed, this is what they look like. And so that's what it's referring to. Happy are the people who are in such a state. So what I would say is our state is everything above this in the bucket list. The 10 things before that. It's like, this is what it looks like in New Testament Christianity. This is what we are supposed to look like. And when we look like this, happy are we. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Mm-hmm. You see, we're supposed to be happy. Not small H happy, the type of happy you get with your Canadian bacon and pineapple pizza. But the kind of happy you get when you know that your God has given up his life to gain you. And he ever lives to make intercession for you and he will save you to the uttermost. And that he is your refuge and your strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear The greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And no weapon fashioned against us shall prosper. And if God is for us, who can stand against us? Happy. Happy am I in Jesus Christ. Happy are we, the body of Christ, as we reside in that grand refuge. We fear nothing. The enemy cannot have us. Though he barks and though he makes a lot of noise, it's like the winter storm on the outside and we are battened down. And that winter storm, we can just sort of look out and go, oh, how pretty. But we don't fear what it can do to us because we're in the house. We should be the happiest people on earth. This is probably one of my favorite happy scriptures. Okay, it's actually really cool. So it it touches that one poetic side in me, but this is really great. Happy are you, O Israel. That's like, happy! That's that that interjection. Happy, O Israel! Who is like you, O people, saved by the Lord? The shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. So listen to the description of, of Jehovah here. He is the shield of our help and the sword of our majesty. Isn't that just an incredible statement? Your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. Happy are those of us whose God is the Lord. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking that one and walking out with it today. You see, he is my sword, and he is my shield. He is my defense, and I'm going to put on that armor. And as I rest in that armor known as the life of Jesus Christ... 
I'm happy. I'm happy knowing that I have been gifted with everything I need for life and godliness. Everything I need to complete this, this thing called life. And all the challenges that I'm going to face. I keep thinking that there's going to be a point where I reach and I no longer have those challenges. I don't know where that comes from, but it's like, okay, maybe this is the last challenge and then. And then you have to get to the point where you start thinking biblically. No, no, no. That's part of this life. I need to endure. And as you begin to position, as you get the right framework, you no longer fear challenges because you know, hey, God breaks through. It makes me stronger through every one of them. And if you knew that ahead of time, that God was going to give you the grace you needed to go through it, and he was going to convert all of that difficulty into a greater strength for you, should you fear it? That doesn't make sense. It's illogical to fear a challenge when you know that to be true. And as a result, you can be, capital H, happy. If you know these things, all these things that we're talking about, happy are you if you do them. Isn't that a great statement? If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Looney, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com. E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E dot com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.